Welcome to Food Friends. I'm Carrie. And I'm Sonia. We met in Los Angeles over 15 years ago as private chefs and haven't stopped talking about food since. We created Food Friends to share our stories and recipes with each other and you. We're so glad you're here. On this week's episode, Carrie and I are talking about party snacks. Yes, party snacks that can be perfect for the holidays or any time of year and include things like Chex Mix and Muddy Buddies, Fun Dip, and so much more. We get into all of that and we also talk a little bit about our backgrounds. It keeps coming up every episode and it was nice to just take a moment and reflect on how much where we come from and where our families come from shape what we eat. If you've been liking what you're hearing, please consider leaving a review on iTunes and also we love hearing from you so reach out whether that's on instagram at food friends pod or through our site foodfriendspodcast.com keep listening for more about party snacks hi sonia hi carrie i want to jump right in Mm -hmm. and i want to tell you about a kid's birthday party i went to last week it was catered by the family, like they cooked all the food. But there were two things that were so outrageously delicious and stand out and also sort of changed the way I think about a couple of like signature things that I've eaten in the past. I want to hear all about the party snacks. And like you can never have enough party snack ideas in your life because even if you're no. not having a party, who doesn't want a party snack? The first thing that kind of blew my mind was Chex Mix. Ugh. I love Chex Mix. I love Chex Mix so much, and I grew up eating Chex Mix. My family still makes Chex Mix every year around the holidays, like at the end of the year. Wait, I need a note. Before you tell me about this new Chex Mix, What did your family like? just follow the recipe on the box? Was there like a personal twist? Yeah, I think they generally follow the – the recipe, it's like a, it's a very standard Chex Mix. What I think is really great about the way that my mom and dad, they do it usually together. No one owns it in my family. That's so sweet. And what goes, what is even in stand? I feel like I've only made unstandard Chex Mixes. What's like the basic, tell us all, what is the basic Chex Mix? Well, in my family, the sort of basic is is the Czech cereal. And my family uses the corn, the rice, and the wheat. So it's like all the different colors. Always a nut, which is usually peanuts in our family. And then there's pretzels, butter, and Worcestershire, and seasoned salt. You know, I have some mixed feelings about the sort of like plain way of eating that I grew up. No garlic, no onions. My family, my parents omit, I think they omit the garlic and onion powder and they just use the seasoned salt, which I think still has a little bit of garlic and onion, but they don't add additional. And I actually think that's what I really like about it is Mm. that it's not assaultive. Mm -hmm. You know, if you buy the Chex Mix in the bag from 7-Eleven, I like that intense flavor, but Mm -hmm. there's something like sort of gentle and lovely and crunchy and buttery about the one that ones that my parents make. I feel like the when you get homemade Chex Mix, it just inherently, no matter who makes it and what they add, there's something with the prepackaged Chex Mix. I don't know if it just has 10 times more salt than in a homemade recipe. Yeah, it's really salty. Yeah. It's, re- it's not that I'm mad at it, but it's like, it, it right. is a little too intense. Whereas like a homemade Chex Mix, like I can't stop eating it, no matter who made it. My parents come here at the end of the year. They always bring like a bag or two in there. My parents are very known, my mother especially, for like transferring food out to California to me. So that's one of the things that she – Because they don't make Chex Mix out on the West Coast. Well, they don't make it like she does. That's (laughs) that's the real. 
I think ours is a pretty standard. Like I think my parents just kind of follow the recipe. They like omit the things that they don't want more of. And I think what makes Chex Mix this really, the elevation of it is butter, like real butter. And then the Worcestershire, which just like mm-hmm. adds that snap, you know, I'm oh, snapping yeah. my fingers. It's like the snappiness of it is so good. But there's something in Worcestershire. I has umami because I actually think true Worcestershire sauce is made with anchovies and mm. like with ferment. It's fermented, but it has okay. that like the same thing that like fish sauce fish does sauce has, yeah. in like a Vietnamese dish. It's like Worcestershire could do in a Chex mix. And there is vegan Worcestershire, by the way, but yeah, there's something with that classic Ooh. Lee and Perrins. Like as you're saying it, I fully see the common parallel between Worcestershire and fish sauce, but I've never, I don't know that I've ever thought more deeply about it. I just like that flavor and I like a Worcestershire in my like steak marinade. I think that's like such a good thing to like marinate steak in, Mm -hmm. but I think in Chex Mix, it's like that snappy, you sort of need that almost like the way that I love like a more vinegary hot sauce in dishes because it like it well, it's opens acid. up your palate. It's, it's acid. It's, it's, there's yeah. acidity that matches that saltiness. And yes. that, there's like a salty sweet and then you have this tangy bite and it's just that balance of flavor because the cereal, even though it's not sugar cereal, has a sweetness to it. Yes. Let me tell you about the Chex Mix I experienced at this party. So my friend May Lynn makes a Chex Mix and what's amazing about this it's kind of this all the same. The rice, I don't think she used wheat checks, but like the rice checks, the corn checks, the nuts, the um she used bugles. Oh. You know bugle bugle. Wait, I just I bugles have been on my mind. Like it's No, been, they haven't. Yeah, I swear to you bugles have been <laughs> on my mind. Well, for one, I found out recently that in Italy they have their own version of a bugle. No, really? That, that like everyone apparently snacks on at aperitivo time. So like when they're having their evening Aperol spritz or Campari spritz, they're eating these bugle-like chips. And I'm like, take me there right now. Take me there. Yeah. Well, it was such a fun experience tasting this Chex Mix, which was different than the one that I grew up with. But my life is devoid of bugles. I don't – I grew up eating them. They're not that common. Like you don't go to the grocery store and say like, there are the Doritos, there are the Cheetos, and there are the bugles. I feel like bugles are kind of more like underground. Yes, because like if you're going to have an indulgence chips, or even if you're a regular chip eater, and I'm not judging anyone's chip habits, but I feel like you you lean for like maybe the stack of Pringles, you know, Ruffles. Maybe you're getting – Fritos or you're getting hot like Cheetos. Chips. You know, people are like chips. kettle chips yes. are so prevalent. Yes. You know, tortilla chips are everywhere. Doritos, Cheetos, you know. But a bugles is like but genius. But a bugle is, yeah, it's a bugle ge- is genius. It's that crunchy, airy texture that's almost like cereal itself, yes, right? Yes, it's like, it, it really, it stays in the same zone of texture. So, okay, okay so, so she had bugles, yeah. which is genius. So she had, she had bugles, she had the rice checks, the corn checks, but not the dark the wheat checks, which I I like those, but I think they're a little polarizing. And then there were those sort of window pane pretzels. Oh, yeah. Have you ever seen those? Okay, yes. so they're like they're like they're, in a grid. They're like a checkerboard. Yeah, yes. it's like a checkerboard grid. And then furikake, furikake. Um, which is was, like just to clarify, it's like a yeah, sea, a seaweed salt sesame seed type of mix. It's yes. used in Japan often on rice. There's lots of different combinations you can. I think I say this every episode about every ingredient you can get at Trader Joe's. They have their own mix, but you can find really good versions at your local Korean mart or, you know, an Asian market or an international market. So it's a delicious add-on 
to lots of dishes. Yeah, which I think is a, just basically akin to seasoned salt. Like that's where the flavor was coming from. And then what was amazing about this particular combination is there was also a little bit of sweetness. Mm. So the sweet layers, like a touch of sweetness and then all of these crunchy, salty elements plus this like seaweed umami element. And I have to tell you, a couple days after we went to this party, we saw them again and she had some leftovers. So she gave it to me and I ate it for breakfast. I confess. Why wouldn't I, you? It was sitting on the counter and I was like, <laughs> well, it is cereal and there is protein because there's like some nuts in here and I'm okay with eating some bugles for breakfast. You I, know. What I love about you is that if you enjoy something, you are eating it for breakfast. It's That's true. what I know about you. Yes. Yes. Like, love yes. that. So, and so is she going to give you this recipe? Like how are we all going to experience this? She gave me the recipe, which wow. is how I – because I, I had this – you know, of course, as I'm eating it, I'm sort of noticing that there are these little green, the seaweed pieces. And I have a lot of experience with Chex Mix. And so I'm really kind of comparing the like very savory version that my fa- that my family makes with this version and also the bagged version when I'm craving it and I'm nowhere near my family. As you know, I have a six-year-old. We sent him to school. He has a lunch that we make for him every day and he always needs a snack. And so I feel like this is such a fun parcher from just a regular chip or like a popcorn or some of the other things that we put in his lunch. It's um, just going to make people happy. Like if it you, makes me, yes. whether you pack it in a lunch or serve it, you know, with your friends outside at a picnic at your house, at anything, it in the middle of winter, well, if totally. you pack it in your suitcase, if you're on a plane, if you're on a train, like whatever, if you're in the car and traffic. It's just going to be a mood booster, right? Yeah. And who's not going to like a homemade Chex Mix? And well, who's going so, to be mad at that? You know? No one is going to be upset with that. Unless, of course, they're allergic, which I understand. But the great right. thing about Chex is they make so many allergen-free versions. And it is meant to be a treat, right? It's not meant to be like... This is right, my this staple. Is not, yeah, I'm not advocating eating this every day, but I think I realized in this experience, and I think this is what I think is so fascinating about food in general. Is I have a real flavor memory. I have a real affinity for this dish. And then I experienced it differently and liked it just as much. And so I think like as a chef, I think to myself, wow, this is brilliant. And oh, by the way, now my mind has exploded with all these different ways that you can then take this basic idea and apply it a little differently and have something completely new and something different and wonderful, you know? Is that, do you you ever make Chex Mix? Well, that's so funny that you said this because somehow last fall even, Chex Mix um, re-entered my mind as a thing like I really wanted to start making more of. And I also was playing around with what I call like Muddy Buddies, or I think you call them Puppy Chow as well, which is another, which is the sweet sweet end of the Chex Mix. sweet version of, right. Right, right, right. We called Those, it puppy chow growing right. up. So even if you – Muddy Buddies or Puppy Chows call different things, but basically they're Czech cereal that's coated in melted chocolate and then gets coated in powdered sugar. And sometimes you throw M&Ms in there or nuts or other add-ins. But the base of it is like these powdered sugar chocolatey Czechs pieces. Which la- are crunchy. So- Good. And so addictive, equally as addictive, but just on the sweet side. So addictive. And last fall, I was like, oh, I want to make a chocolate tahini version. I pitched it to my editor where I write, you know, I write for this Jewish food magazine. I was like, oh, I want to pitch this chocolate tahini 
uh, Muddy Buddy, and they didn't take the pitch. But then another writer wrote it for the magazine, which by the way, I don't mean that as like I'm upset. I meant like it was in the zeitgeist. And then I think a few weeks later, Samin Nostrat printed- um, Queen. Queen, queen. her recipe for Chex Mix and did a whole article, I think, in the New York Times about Chex Mix. And I was like, whoa. I'm not, I missed this. I totally missed this. Okay, wait, I have to go, we have to go back to the sweet one that you call Muddy Buddies that I call Puppy Chow. Because when you were describing it, we always had, it was chocolate chips and peanut butter. That was always our combination. Yes. And it's funny, I remember this from maybe like elementary school, like fifth grade, sixth grade. And then definitely like junior high when I was starting to start cooking. But when you're that young, you really just want to make things that are sweet. And this was one of the first recipes that I made because you could make it in the microwave. Yes. Like and my you're right. Had- I forgot the peanut butter. Peanut butter is an important okay. ingredient, which is why I was thinking tahini because I was tahini, like, what is yes. another nut butter that would lend itself to puppy chow? But by the way, when I ended up making it, I made it with peanut butter. Okay. Because it's well, classic. That's how we would make it. But my mom used to have this thing called a batter bowl, which I've now bought from my house, which is kind of like a giant Pyrex pourable, but it's, I think it's 12 cups or something. It's bigger and it yeah. still has a handle. And I just remember measuring out the chips, scooping the peanut butter in, and then you put it in the microwave and like it turns around and it makes this batter. And then you pour that over the the cereal. And then once it's kind of had like a couple of minutes to cool off a little bit, then you put the powdered sugar on. That's exactly correct. I You did such okay. a good job of describing what that is. This is exactly what I made. I actually don't own a microwave, to be honest. Well, I don't either. But, Not now. But when we when I was yeah. growing up, we did. And that was one of the first ways that I learned how to cook. And I did too. And we had yeah. one. I used it all the time. But just in case anyone who doesn't have a microwave, you can totally heat up the chocolate and the peanut butter on the stove. It's the same thing. And yeah. yes, you coat the cereal in it and you don't immediately put powdered sugar because it would just absorb. Because it just kind of, yeah, yes. it needs us like, it needs a second to kind of like absorb and cool and whatever. I have to share this thought because I recently discovered, not Nutella, I know, I think we all know what Nutella is, which is like hazelnut and chocolate spread that's like peanut butter. But I recently discovered just straight hazelnut butter. Oh, yeah. Yes. Which is very, very pourable. And I'm very – recently I've been really drizzling it on my toast and really any kind of toasty bread. That would be incredible with puppy chow. Hazelnut butter. Do you think pistachio butter, which by the way they now sell at Costco, would work? We might have to try. We might have to try this because I really love pistachios. I don't know that I've ever had a straight up pistachio butter. Have you? Oh, it's so yeah. I have some in my cabinet. It's it's oh, so God. good. I want to make a babka with pistachio butter. Oh my gosh! Stop. That but sounds amazing. I think hazelnut okay. sounds better with chocolate. To be fair, like I don't know. Yeah, if pistachio- well, it's it's a very like straight. You know, it's like it's a proven combination. Yeah. And so the idea of like the peanut butter, it's it lends that savory note with all the powdered sugar. It becomes a very sweet dish. Like it's almost like toothachingly sweet. That's why it's like nice to have salted peanuts or something salty in. Or yes. I think pretzels are traditional. So I think I added peanut M and M's and those oh like gosh. pretzel sticks to my puppy chow so that you would get a bite of the super sweet 
a salty pretzel and like a little peanutty M&M. I gave I've it away. I've never heard of that. I think I'm like, I grew up as a purist. Like I've never had any of those other things thrown in there. I don't think I made this up. I'm pretty sure it's those are common additions to Peppy okay, Chow. Not in my experience, but fair enough. But I am also not a Midwesterner. So Midwesterners, <laughs> I feel like created this recipe and get more credit. But I gave them away. I brought them to a Hanukkah party last year. And I you gave, brought what? You made you made, I made this puppy, puppy chow, chow. Right. And then I put them in little containers and we were having this like outdoor on the beach because it was COVID, Hanukkah, menorah lighting party. And I just handed out and it was just like such a fun thing to have around a fire looking on these little yeah. things. And it it travels really well. Like you can my family always puts it in like a Ziploc bag when they make the mother load. <laughs> Our family has this it's like a giant, it's a gold Tupperware with a clear top. It's like I can see right. it. It w- And it was the, also the bowl that my, in the winter, there would always be like one or two Sundays when we would have like a movie day and my dad would make popcorn on the stove. And that was the bowl that the popcorn oh. went into. And then once the corn was popped, it would go into the gold bowl. And then he would take the hot pan and he would put a whole stick of butter into it <laughs> and like just sort of like twirl it around a little bit until the butter melted. And then you would just pour it all over. But you needed that big bowl to like toss everything. I say this like every time we talk, but I just feel like I would have wanted to be adopted by your family. <laughs> like <laughs> all of these foods. Like we were not eating. We never had homemade Chex Mix in my own. We never had Puppy oh. Chow. These are but all you things. you had so many other things Oh, we had too. other things. Yes. Of course. Yes. And I think it's always that a child of immigrants and you want to fit in America, like capital A America and like all it symbolizes yeah. to your family and all it symbolizes in the world, especially at that time in the 80s and 90s. Like we live in a very different world now. Those like highly processed, sweet or salty or snacky foods were just not always part of my life and I wanted them, you know? I find it so interesting because I, as I've left my hometown and gone out into the world and worked in the food world and you know, I sometimes have these complicated relationships with some of that because I think the, so a lot of the foods that I grew up with were very packaged heavy and they were very marketed to us. We don't call this snack mix. We call it Chex Mix. Basically, they were just trying to market people to eat more cereal and hear all these ways that you can take your cereal from your cereal bowl and like eat it in front of the TV or take it on your picnic or whatever. And there's something wrong with that. But I, I think there are at times, you know, when we glorify these other cultures when you're like, oh, French cuisine, Mexican home cooking, all these things. And you're like from the Midwest and combining a can of this and a can of that. Right. And, a, and is that real cooking? And I mean, it was as real as anything when I was growing up. Right. And, and the truth is at 42 years old, I went to a birthday party and I was like, oh my God, it's Chex Mix. So I those food that. memories, like they can be complicated, but I think we can also take the judgment out of that. Like, and you reclaim stuff. I mean, things Things yes. that I got made fun of for eating as a kid are now some of my favorite dishes, like beet salad. You know, yeah. like that wasn't cool to eat when I was a kid. And now it's very cool. There's all these things I think we can reclaim or we have new relationships with. It's always evolving. But to me, it makes so much sense. This thing that you grew up with and then you re-encounter and now it's taken a new form and it's really exciting and delicious, but familiar. Yeah. I mean, one of the other ideas that's coming to me right now is David Chang, very well-known chef, you know, written a lot and done a lot of TV. And I remember watching an interview with him where he was talking about feeling so weird 
having kimchi as a kid. You know, the one kid with the weird, stinky kimchi. I have to say, like, kimchi is one of my favorite things that I've discovered in my adult life. And it's something I love to eat. And it's it's become this thing that is really elevated and, you know, oh, who makes this kind of fancy kimchi? And for him, it has those complicated roots. And I think he talks about, like, what happens when this thing that causes shame becomes popular becomes like yes becomes like wildly popular in culture how do you adjust for that but in a way I think ultimately there's like pride of like I always knew right like I knew this was delicious and finally you all see it like you knew your beet salad was delicious and now it's like something that people celebrate or know you for and the the Chex Mix I think most people I grew up with made or ate versions of that. And so it was very mainstream. It wasn't like special coming to LA, going to someone's like really beautiful birthday party. I was like, oh my gosh, it's, it's this thing that I so know. Oh, I love that. That like this thing that almost we took for granted becomes special again. Yes. That's really this thing beautiful. that I, yeah, I did take it for granted and, and I almost demanded or so, you know, when my parents come, I'm just like, are you going to make the checks mix? How can, how many bags are you bringing? You know, I just <laughs> want more. <laughs> Also, you know, my son and my husband that I live with, they want some too. And I'm always like, I, do I have to share this with you? <laughs> <laughs> well, now you have a new recipe, or we all do. I'm excited to share that. We'll share that on our site. Okay, Carrie, but you mentioned there was something else at this party that you ate, right? Yeah, there was something else at this party and it really kind of blew my mind. So as you know, I really love a creamy dressing and the queen of creamy dressings for me is ranch dressing. And I have a lot of strong opinions about ranch dressing. <laughs> I don't like packaged ranch, dress, ranch dressing, but I like to make it myself. I think it's become this thing that I grew up with that now is very mainstream. You can go to fancy restaurants and have ranch dressing. You know, right, the artisanal, well, the artisanal yes, pizza places yes. that make their house-made ranch. I'm by the way, I love that. I love ranch on my pizza crust. I love ranch on my salad. I love ranch on my vegetables. I went to this birthday party and fun dip was offered. <laughs> and I think of fun dip as those sugary, sweet and sour, you know, I don't, I can't remember like what those were, but you would like dip, a, you like lick a stick yes. and dip it in. And then it's like this powdery, with like, like sugar. citric acid and some yes. flavoring. Yes. And it's very okay. tart and sweet. Yeah. What my friend made was, but it's called ranch fun dip and it's basically a powdered ranch dip made out of pistachios, nutritional yeast and spices like onion powder and garlic powder Wait. and salt. Wait, 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 wait. I know. I know. It's, <laughs> hold on. Oh. Hold up. I, I just – there's so much to process. It's All right. So you're talking, about, you're talking about a dry dip. It's not a wet it's dip. It's a dry dip. It is not ranch. It's powdered ranch. And she served it with crudite. So like you dip or you sprinkle it over your cucumbers. Like you slice cucumbers, you sprinkle it over cucumbers. And so – This reminds of me of um, that Middle Eastern or North African – did you say dukkha or dukkha? I'm sorry Duk- if I'm – Oh, dukkha. I apologize to everyone about pronunciation, but it's like a similar idea, right? Where you have like a little nut or seed mix with spices. But it full on tastes like ranch dressing. Do we have a recipe for this? Is this- I do have she gave me the recipe for this too. I think it came out of Bon Appetit, the one that she used, but it is insanely addictive. And 
also such a brilliant idea because if you think about like going to a potluck, going to the beach, being in any space that like having a ranch out in the sun is not a good idea, putting it in a lunchbox for your kid to like dip their vegetables in so they're not just eating like plain cucumbers. It is so delicious. It sounds so good. It makes me want to add dry dill to it though because when I hear ranch, Mm. I feel like it needs dill. I mean, it's funny. We grew up eating – it was a a version of ranch, like a creamy dip, but my mom would always put tons of dried dill in it. Yes. Yeah. And Dried dill in particular, not fresh dill. Dried dill is, I think, what gives ranch its ranchiness. (laughs) And like there's just something about that very specific flavor. It reminds me too what you're describing. I was just eating at my brother and sister-in-law's house and my sister-in-law made – what she calls vegan Parmesan. And I'm sure she found a recipe somewhere it's based off, but it basically, it was like, I want to say Brazil nuts, but it could have been almonds, like ground nuts with nutritional yeast with salt. Like that was it. But there's something about like more than just nutritional yeast, which is sometimes like what yes. vegans use as Parmesan, they'll use nutritional yes, yeast. Yes. But the creaminess of the nuts, the crumbliness of it. And we were just topping, I think our vegetables with it. I think we were topping salad with it. It was just like on its own as like a condiment to add to your meal. And I was like, that's so, so smart. So smart. She even sent us home with like a little tiny jar of it. And Mac and I were both kind of like fighting over it. He was like, is there more of this? Did you put, did you use too much of it? Like, did you <laughs> save some of this for my lunch? And I'm like, listen, kid, you know, <laughs> when you go to bed at 7 PM, I'm going to eat the rest of that. <laughs> your family like um, cracks me up because I feel like this is a family tradition. I, there's one story that sticks in my mind that you told me once, like where you, and this is before Mac was born and you and James went to New York for something. And it was when cronuts had first been invented by like Dominique Ansel and yes. there, and you had been at an event where they were giving away these like very coveted cronuts that like no one could get their hands on and you brought them back to your hotel room and you were saving it and you were so excited to eat it and James ate your cronut. <laughs> oh yes, that fully happened. Like we went to an event, we came home. I went to wash my face like at the end of the day. I was like washing my makeup off <laughs> And I come out of the bedroom and there's a cronut hanging out of my my husband's mouth. And I was like, I'm going to murder you. I can't believe that you just so mindlessly consumed this. But that's a whole – I feel like we could spend a whole episode By the way, we could have a whole about, episode on things that our partners ate of yeah. ours that we were saving. This is an experience I've had often in my life because – Growing up, I don't know what this was about. My mom and I still joke about it. I would always make food and or sandwiches or something and say, does anyone else want one? And everyone would be like, no, no, I'm good. And then I would make something and then everyone wanted it. And I oh, remember yeah. there were so many times in my life I would be like, does anyone want a sandwich? No, we're good. I'd make a sandwich. I'd put it on the table. I'd go to get a glass of water or whatever I need to get. And then my it was brother, gone. Yeah, my brother would oh, eat God. it while my back so- was turned. So funny. I find it both charming and completely maddening <laughs> that my child also eats kind of like I do. And I love, I love the like, oh yeah, he's he likes his sweets, but he really likes savory, salty things. You yeah. know, like loves a plate of French fries, loves the Cheeto, and you know, loves the Chex mix. But then I'm also like, could you just not eat so much of that? <laughs> and as he gets bigger and older, it's harder to fend him off. But yeah, yeah wait till he's a teenager, right? Oh yeah, that's what they say. <laughs> Anyway, this is really fun. I guess my last note before we wrap it up, we've really gone deep into these amazing party treats. Yeah, Yeah, I 
I will just say that I was recently, I was catering a friend's party. And so this is really top of mind. Like, what do you serve that don't need a knife and fork for? Like the whole menu I yes. designed for her. She didn't want pasta hors d'oeuvres. She didn't want that feeling of she-she. Elevation. Like, right, right, right. She wanted it to be very like comfortable and easy, but she didn't want to have to have all these utensils flying everywhere. Like, it's morning. awkward for people. Yes. Yeah. Unless you're unless you're offering everyone a seat to sit at, it's awkward to have. Well, that's exactly right. If you don't have seats for everyone, you want the food to be easy to be like standing there and talking with your drink or whatever. So I had designed this whole menu around like very snackable foods. But one of the things that I made that is something that I just love making, and I, I have a feeling you love it too, is I just love a good onion dip. I I truly love like a Ruffles plain potato chip with a a store-bought onion dip. But when you mean onion dip, please explain your process. Okay. So I don't obviously make make a different kind of onion dip. So I make labna for one, which is basically just strained yogurt. So it's a lot thicker. So you just strain it in cheesecloth. I use whole milk yogurt. You can also just buy labna. You can also just buy labna. You could also use Greek yogurt. If that's something that's all you – sometimes I'll add like a few spoonfuls of sour cream. I don't typically add mayonnaise, but you can. And then I caramelize a boatload of onions, like in a true caramelize. We've talked about this before. It's like – It takes a lot of time. It takes a long time. 25, 30 minutes, 45 minutes. 45 minutes. I did like five onions, right? I was making a big batch though. Like if I was making a smaller batch, I would only do a couple. So really jammy, brown, caramelized onions. Then I'm throwing a ton of herbs. I would – use dryer fresh dill. I would use dryer fresh parsley. I had tarragon. We've talked about that before too. I used some tarragon because I love me some tarragon. I did a garlic powder, onion powder, black pepper. Sometimes I'll do a squeeze of lemon. Sometimes I'll do a glug of olive oil. I don't really have a recipe. Really the key is the creamy base of thick yogurt and maybe sour cream cream with- Creme fraiche. Or creme fraiche, right? With truly caramelized onions. Yes. And then you need chips and you need- Then you need really (laughs) thick potato chips. Like you have to- Because I think, you know, I grew up eating a version of that, but it came in a powdered form. So it was like an envelope of powder um, that stood in for the onions. And then you just dumped that into like sour cream and you stirred it around and you served it with chips. But especially if you're caramelizing all of those onions, it's a heavy dip. Oh right? yeah, this is very it's, it's very stiff. thick and it's, stiff. Exactly. But I was actually serving it with cut vegetables. Right, like that creaminess with that like fresh element is yes. really really nice. I mean, I love a, a ruffles or Me too. a one of those thick cut the kettle cooked chip. We like so I'll make this like kind of high end dip with lavna, but then I want like the low end chip. Totally. Does that make sense? Like yes. I almost want the most basic chip. And if you don't want it if it's like too thick, the the caramelized onion adds moisture for sure and loosens it. But right. if you if you want it looser, I would just say add more sour cream or add yeah mayonnaise. to make it like a little yeah. creamier. And you can always put like a touch of water in just to like loosen yes. it up a little or bit. Or milk or yeah or, or half and half right. or any of right. those things. I love this conversation so much, and I think I think it also speaks to the evolution of ideas and also the the longevity of them. I do have a request, which is how do I experience your family's Chex Mix and when do I get to do that? We'll have to talk to Chris Lauritsen and find out like when is her, you know, Chris and Kurt, they do it together. But I'm going we'll to make a special request to Chris and Kurt and see okay. if they can hook me up. All right. They maybe I'll have exception. to come to LA just to experience your parents' Chex Mix. <laughs> <laughs> I got to say it's worth it in my opinion. Well, it's but... worth it just to see you, but I'll take the Chex Mix as a bonus. Fair enough. All right. Um, until a... next time, until my next food time. friend. Bye. Bye. Thanks for being our food friend. 
If you enjoyed our podcast, please subscribe, leave us a review, and share this episode with friends. We love hearing from you, so follow us on Instagram or drop us a line at foodfriendspodcast.com. Yes, we'd love to hear from you and your food friends. Happy cooking and eating. Oh, oh, oh.